0: So that means so much to me knowing that this was his decision. He chose to leave these gifts behind. And by making that decision, he absolutely saved my life. If that one man was not registered as a donor, I wouldn't be here.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Overdose. I am your host, David Dent. You have not heard from me in so long. I'm about to finish up my P3 year in pharmacy school. And boy, do I have an exciting episode for you guys. Um, today, we're going to be talking to Patty Dean, a organ transplant recipient. Um, and my friend and fellow classmate, Mike Laporte, who is a brother, Kappa Psi, fraternity brother of mine, um, brought to me this idea to do an episode uh, regarding organ transplant um, awareness month details on how to do it will be below but just give you a quick idea you'll go to organdonor.gov the link will be in the description in the show notes look on the website for where it says to sign up as a donor select your state and it'll take you to your state registration page you'll answer a few questions and you'll be good to go if you're a current donor you can still fill you can still fill out the registration form and participate um, obviously the more that participate the greater the impact so tell your friends, share the episode do all the things that you can do to help raise awareness especially this month um, once you register please fill out the google form that'll again be linked in the show notes and send the registration receipt which you'll get by email after you register to the following email ndlm over x dose at gmail.com again the email is n d like david l like larry m like manny dot o-v-e-r-x-d-o-s-e at gmail.com we're going to be keeping all the private information private um and thank you so much for sticking around and listening and enjoy the episode hey. Hey.
2: Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Laporte. I'm a third-year pharmacy student here at Virginia Commonwealth University with David. Hello. Uh, I reached out to David because April is National Donate Life Month, and I wanted to come onto this podcast to raise some awareness about an important public health issue, which is organ donation.
1: And I'm incredibly honored that Mike reached out because this is an incredibly important topic, um, just to give you guys an idea of the extent of organ transplant. Um, some facts, more than 100,000 people await a life-saving organ transplant. Um, every 10 minutes, another person is added to the transplant wait list, and 20 people die each day awaiting an organ transplant. So I'm really excited to help raise awareness about this important issue with Mike here.
2: Yeah, David, I got to say, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, first time I've ever done a podcast, so I'm very excited. Um, like David said, organ donation is incredible is an incredibly important topic for the public to be more informed about. Most recently, I've been working with uh, Dr. Tyler Tinkin, the current PGY-2 transplant pharmacy resident here at VCU Health System. He's going to be joining us today. We're extremely excited to raise awareness on this important topic. He's going to be popping in and out just to help clarify things. But uh, our main guest today is going to be Patty Dean. She's going to go into her life-saving experience involving organ donation and more information in the process. Tyler, would you want to introduce yourself
0: quick?
3: Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Mike, for having me on. It's been a pleasure to uh, set up this project with you. I am the current, like Michael said, I'm the current PGY2 solid organ transplant pharmacy resident here at Virginia Commonwealth University Health. And seeing these patients, these fresh transplant recipients on a day-to-day basis and caring for them and, and rooting for them and helping them live their best lives possible, I've really been thinking about what I can do for National Donate Life Month, to advocate for more people to sign up to be an organ donor, and and working together with Mike on this project, I think this was a great idea. And while we're podcast newbies, at least as far as recording podcasts, I've frequent many podcasts as a listener, but this is a, a a really a great opportunity. I'm happy to be here today. Awesome.
1: And then we'll be bringing on our main guest today, Patty Dean. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: No, I'm very glad to be here. Thank you.
1: And as we mentioned before, she is a transplant recipient, but she is also a community education coordinator for LifeNet Health. It's one of the largest organ procurement organizations in our area. So please uh, give our listeners a little introduction about yourself and so they can get to know you.
0: Absolutely, glad to. Um, My name is Patty Dean. I'm married to my wonderful husband, Michael, who is one of the reasons I am still around today. I'll (laughs) share with you his role in keeping me alive and keeping me here. And yes, I have had two liver transplants um, at VCU Health, Humley Transplant Center. And um, after my transplants, I knew I couldn't go back to being a bookkeeper. So I started volunteering at LifeNet Health, the organ procurement organization. And I've now been there for um, almost 14 years doing community education and spreading the word about the importance of donation.
1: That's incredible. I also have no background information. Mike has not given me any info about this. I had no idea you received two different liver transplants. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited to hear about more about that. Um, so, can you just give us a, a little description or a little idea of what you went through and how that whole process laid out?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had contracted hepatitis C from a blood transfusion during surgery when I was a kid gosh. okay. So by the time I was in my forties, I had full-blown cirrhosis and my husband, Michael got transferred to Richmond. I'm from Baltimore, go Ravens. (laughs) Um, And, um, he got transferred here and, um, put me right where I needed to be at VCU health. Um, I went through the whole process of getting on the waiting list. It is arduous. You have to be sick enough. I was sick, but I wasn't sick enough for a while because there are just too many people needing organs and not enough organs to go around. So the transplant centers um, are very good stewards of these gifts. And um, you have to go through physical testing to make sure that you are physically healthy enough to survive a transplant, psychological testing to make sure that you are psychologically healthy enough to take on this responsibility because it is a huge responsibility to take care of this gift. Um, So I went through all of those processes and um, found that I was eligible to get listed. Now with the psychiatric, the psychiatric evaluation. Michael, my husband, really thought they would have found more. <laughs> oh my gosh. I passed.
1: Oh, they're like, "Are you sure you didn't uh, you didn't miss anything?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Uh, so I passed, and I got on the waiting list. And this was in two thousand okay. and five.
1: Okay. How long would you say um, from the beginning of the uh, initial trying to get onto the list and being able to get onto mm-hmm. it? How
0: long roughly did that take? Um, it was actually a couple of months for okay. me because at first I wasn't sick enough. There mm-hmm. is a MELD score. It's the model for end stage liver disease where they, is just an amalgamation of all of your um, symptoms
1: and different, yeah, all
0: the symptoms tests. and your different medical tests. And you have to be at that time. Uh, I don't know if it's changed, but you had to be a 14 or above. Okay. It goes up to 40. I think is the highest, which means you have no working liver. Um, so I was a 12 for quite a while. Um, probably less than a year though. Okay. And, um, I was able to get on the waiting list and And that's just the
1: wait list. That's not necessarily just the waiting
0: list. Right. And let me tell you, that is a really interesting experience being on the waiting list because you can't leave town. Oh, You can't, You have to stay in case' travel. When you get that call, you have to be ready to oh, go. No. So I know people who have been on the waiting list for years and haven't been able to take a vacation oh because gosh. if that call comes and you're in Barbados, that call may never come again.
1: That's insane. As if it's not hard enough dealing with that. Now you're now you're losing the opportunity to sort of enjoy. What potentially might be remaining? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't. I can't imagine.
0: And you have to keep yourself healthy during that time, you know. So uh, it's a lot of responsibility being on that waiting list, you know, and keeping yourself as an active patient on that list. Um, It's well worth it. (laughs) It is absolutely well worth it. And you know, I think it helps to train us for the responsibilities that come once we've received an organ. Because we have a lot of responsibility to take care of this organ that we have. So, Because so petty, many people don't get them.
2: I, I thought what you had to say was very interesting. Could maybe you tell us about um, the day you got that call? How are you feeling? You know, what was going through your mind? I, I can imagine it had to be tremendous.
0: Well, I never got a call. My situation is very different okay than most people but i can tell you one of my good friends who was one of my volunteers at LifeNet, so i know i can share her story publicly uh one of my good friends has got a kidney at vcu health and when she got the call she was home alone with just her dog so she and her dog got very excited and she could say oh mommy's (laughs) getting a transplant (laughs) so i know from from people who uh, because i know so many other recipients and yeah it is mind-blowing to get that call, no matter how long you've waited and how you think you've prepared for it, when it becomes a reality, it's, it's you know, it's huge.
1: It's huge. Yeah. So how did so, you find out for you?
0: Okay, I was already in there because after I had been on the waiting list for about a year, I found out I married well. <laughs> Michael went down to Humanly transplant center and got tested to see if he was a match. And it turned out he was.
1: Oh my gosh
0: so my first transplant came from a living donor um, and living donation is growing by leaps and bounds a living person can donate one lobe of their lung one of their kidneys or one lobe part of their liver because the liver will grow back in about two weeks
3: oh, in wow. about two weeks the realize,
0: will grow back. yes yes um so Michael got tested turned out he was a match and um we went in um July 31st of 2006 and um he gave me part of his liver
1: That's, that's lovely. That is that is you you actually you are literally having a piece of him like you Yeah <laughs>
0: yeah probably, yeah. Like,
1: yeah.
2: That's the, probably the well, best thing you could do for a significant other. Yeah. yeah.
0: And now I tell everybody two things. Um First of all, next time you're looking for an anniversary present, because it was two weeks <laughs> after our, our wedding anniversary, top that. can't. Yeah, be I done, can't. You know? And also when you're looking for a life partner, don't worry about their bank account. Ask them what their blood type is.
1: That's more important. <laughs> That's more important. <laughs> yes.
0: uh, Michael is type O and I am type A. Perfect. Um, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately is generous and brave as Michael was, I wasn't able to keep his liver okay. because I, I had portal hypertension, which is high blood pressure in the portal vein. And basically my body had gotten so used to working with a sick liver and having to work harder and overcompensate. It didn't know how to back off and work wow. with a healthy liver, especially a partial.
1: Is that pretty um, common or is that, is that,
0: you know, I really don't know.
1: Tyler, would you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this might be a good time to pop in
3: sure um the uh, this is like this is actually kind of a, a nuanced conversation but I would say that uh, living donor liver transplant recipients are prone to different complications than that of a deceased donor liver transplant recipient and so the types of complications that she's describing is uh, I would say still not, that not very common, but more common to a living transplant recipient.
0: Gotcha.
3: So what yeah, was this for you?
0: Well, basically at that point, my liver um, just couldn't handle the blood volume that was being sent through and um, the blood backed up inside of the liver and clotted and filled it up with blood clots and shut it down. Okay. So at that point I had no working liver and I was dying. Um, this happened about a week and a half after my transplant for Michael. So I was still in MCV and, um, I ended up spending the rest of the summer of 06 in Humley transplant center. And here's where my pharmacists come in. Cause one of the things they're very good at at VCU health, and I still know some of the nurses there and they still talk about this sometimes is, um, after Michael had been sent home for being my donor, I called him up one night in the middle of the night to tell him I was dead. Oh my gosh. I thought it was important that he know that.
1: <laughs> this is from you. Oh, man. And he's like, I, from- I gave you my liver and now I'm, oh, good. It yeah. had to be. Well,
0: was- he kept telling me. He, first of all, he says it happened more than once. I don't even remember the one time, but um, he says he was on the phone with me for about an hour trying to convince me that if you're dead, you can't make a phone call. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> not, so. Not possible. Possible. <laughs> so it turns out he was right. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong. And, um, the next thing I clearly remember is waking up back in the Humley intensive care uh, with a nurse, who I still know to this day, telling me that I had gotten a liver from a deceased donor. Okay. Well, and, that's... of course, it's all kept confidential. You know, The only thing they could tell me at the time about my donor was that he was a 44-year-old man from Virginia Beach.
1: Okay. Have you since found out more information about them or had a desire to, or... And I don't want to, I don't want to get into, you know, um, telling, you know, someone else's health information, obviously, but from what, from what you can, um, from what your knowledge of the process, how did that come about?
0: Well, I have since, one of the things that LifeNet Health does as the organ procurement organization is um, we handle all of the communication between the recipients and the donor's family. It's up to them. The donor's family could say no if they don't want to hear from the recipients. So I wrote my letter I gave it to Lifenet and they asked his wife if she wanted to receive it and she said yes she accepted my letter. Awesome. Okay. And she did write back to me. And after we had contacted each other a couple of times we were able to sign papers to waive the veil of privacy between us and we were actually able to meet. I've met her. Oh my gosh. So how, nice. was, how
1: was that first meeting like what that must have been? It, uh, it was emotional. It was so least.
0: emotional and so we met at a restaurant um, and um, yeah, it was just, it was overwhelming for both of us. And I mean, since then, she's actually been to my home. I've gotten to see their wedding videos, the oh vacation videos. I've seen what he looked like. I've heard his voice. His name was Michael King. And um, she has shared her story publicly with me. We've gone out and spoken and shared our story. Um, so I feel comfortable telling you that he had, um, he had injured his back. He was taking... Uh, pain medic, two pain medications. And somehow that triggered, um, a hidden heart, um, abnormality that he has a kind of heart problem. And he went into a coma and he was in a coma, um, I think almost two weeks before he died and became my donor.
1: Well, and he, and he saved a life, um, after such a complication, which is it's, I don't know it's it's indescribable I I can't imagine how how she must have felt going through that Mm -hmm. um but there's got to be something said about I'm curious because I really don't know too much about the process so if I know a lot of people are hesitant about becoming organ donors Mm because they're just on they're just not sure of the process right um they obviously don't want someone procuring their organs before they have a viable chance of living, so if you if you can give more information on that process, I think Absolutely. that'd be incredibly worthwhile.
0: Yes, that's why I have a job doing <laughs> <I'm gonna give laughs> community education uh, for an <laughs> organ procurement organization because nobody's ever heard of us and nobody knows, you know, that we're the ones out here doing this. Um, but I do want to say real quickly about about Michael King. One of the things I learned about her, Michael, that was really important to me, is. Um, I wanted to know if he was registered as a donor or whether that was a decision that she had to make that night. And um, she said he was not only registered as a donor, he was such a strong supporter of donation. that When they got married and went to the DMV to change her name on her license, he encouraged her to register as a donor. So that means so much to me knowing that this was his decision. He chose to leave these gifts behind. And by making that decision, he absolutely saved my life. Because after my transplant for Michael King, my transplant surgeon at the time, um, my husband and one of my sisters were standing at the foot of my hospital bed. And my transplant surgeon turned to my family and said, you know what? This came just in time. I had given her until Wednesday. And that was on Tuesday.
1: Oh, my God. Amazing.
0: I had about 24 hours to live when I got this gift. And um, if that one man, Michael King, was not registered as a donor, I wouldn't be here. And you know that's why well, I told my transplant surgeon um, at the time that my life's goal is now to empty that waiting room at the Humanly Transplant center and find donors for all those people who are waiting because this, the process is so misunderstood. There are 58 federally designated organ procurement organizations across the country. It is federal law. Every death in a hospital is called into the organ procurement organization. And then we determine if the person can be a donor. The hospital staff, doctors, nurses, and paramedics do not even have access to the donor registry. They can't even look it up to see if someone is registered as a donor. They don't care if someone is registered as a donor because that's not what they do. Their job is providing health care, patient care. The only time someone is considered a potential donor is when LifeNet has gotten that death referral from the hospital. And then we go in and we're the ones who honor the donor's wishes to be a donor. But yeah, people see it on TV. That ER doctor says, hmm, I don't think he's going to make it, but maybe I can use his heart for Mr. Jones upstairs. He doesn't have a Mr. Jones upstairs. <laughs> he has nothing know. to do with yeah. donation. <laughs> he doesn't
1: right. realize Mr. Jones is eligible or wants to.
0: <laughs> right, right, right.
1: Wow. So can you give us a little more information on what exactly National Donate Life Month is? And I think you've covered pretty well what it means to you. Um, yes. But just to give people an idea and, and maybe in how people can obviously go get registered, get on an organ donation. Yeah. Um, list
0: yes well i want to tell you too because i can't talk about organ donation without also sharing with you another reason why it's so important to me personally because i am also a donor sister i lost my brother rocky in a car accident in 2001 and um rocky died at uh, university of maryland shock trauma in baltimore one of the best trauma centers in the world he had the best care possible um but after a few days um they found out his blood pressure had been too low for too long for a man, his size, and he was brain dead. And, um, because of the way he died, that meant that he was eligible to be an organ donor. And that's another thing that many people don't understand is they think if you have that heart in your driver's license, you're automatically going to be an organ donor. No, you could potentially go on to donate tissue, Mm -hmm. but in order to donate the solid organs, you have to die a certain way. Organ donors are people who die in a hospital, on a ventilator, declared brain dead. And that's only about 2% of the population who die that way. Wow. Now, that's why there are so few organ donors, because so few of us will actually fit that criteria and be able to go on to donate our organs. Most of us can donate tissue, because tissue can go longer without oxygen. But those organs have to have a continuous supply of oxygen to be kept viable. But because of the way Rocky died, that meant that he was eligible to be an organ donor. But Rocky was not registered as a donor. And we had never talked about it in my family. So the night he died, the worst night of our lives, my whole family had to sit down in the conference room of the hospital and make that decision. And that was really hard. And that's why I do this now, is to get families talking about donation. And that's what National Donate Life Month is all about. Talking to your family about donation, no matter what your decision is. There's no right or wrong answer to the question, do you want to be a donor? Just make your decision and let your family know. Because that way, they won't have to make that decision at the very worst possible time. So for me, that's what Donate Life Month is all about, is making those decisions for yourself, letting your family know, and adding your name to the registry, which in Virginia is DonateLifeVirginia.org. Or you can go online to RegisterMe.org for the National Donor Registry.
1: That's awesome. And we'll definitely be encouraging our listeners to do that. I'm going to be doing that as the second I get off of this call. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Did, did you have a, did you have a comment? Yeah, actually
2: just we're continuing on support. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Patty,
2: besides someone signing up to be a donor, uh, what else can they do to show their support?
0: Um, there are lots of um, social media items like, like banners, you can add you know to your facebook page and, and you can go to donate life org, and every year they put together the materials for donate life month um you can get something to put in your um you can download you know something there to put in an email send out an email blast tweet it out um text share this it podcast to all of your episode. friends, yeah, shows, share this, share this episode. podcast episode. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know that's the, the, that's the most important thing is um, talking about it. You know, people don't wanna talk about subjects like this. It's, it's not easy, it's not a fun subject, um, but it makes such a difference, not only to the recipients who are going to, whose lives are gonna be saved with those organs, but also to the families who will be saved that hard conversation at a time of immense grief. And I tell people all the time, this is one of the greatest gifts that you can give to your family members is taking that off their plate. It's one less thing for them to worry about. And in Virginia, anyone 13 and older can add their name to the registry. Now, if something happens to a minor, we do have to ask their legal next of kin to make the final decision, but we have never had a family overturn their teenager's decision in Virginia. Well, they say that it gave them a lot of comfort knowing uh, that their loved one had made that own decision, their own decision, and that way they knew how to honor their wishes. So get the word out there. Um, You know, if you're really moved, you can get a Donate Life flag to, you know, put in your flower bed or hang from your house. (laughs) Bumper Uh, sticker. Yeah, (laughs) bumper stickers, all kinds of Donate Life merch out there, window clings, and educate yourself. Educate yourself. You know, like you said, the, the myth continues to exist that the healthcare professionals are going to let you die to get their organs yeah. because people don't yeah. know that we exist. Yeah. So educate yourself and become an advocate. And then you can go out and help educate others. You, anybody can go to, to generate life, for more information and everything about the process. Everything is there. You know, the more, you know, the, the more you you you're help. going to be able to contribute and, and help bring this crisis to an end, because it is a crisis of people dying needlessly.
1: Definitely. And I I appreciate you taking the time because I was one of those people that believed in that myth um, that, you know, I I heard that there was a percentage, if you had a greater than 50% chance of not making it, Mm. um, then that would make it so they're able to procure your organs. And I did not that was something I was hesitant about, but definitely after hearing you speak and learning more about the process, I feel comfortable signing up for it. Um, I definitely, one last thing, um, you've definitely made it known how incredibly important this topic is and how easy it is to participate. But just Mm -hmm. just for our listeners before we go, um, could you give one last remark on why being a donor is so important? The number one takeaway someone can take away from this podcast episode.
0: Um, For me, the number one takeaway is you can't take them with you. You know, yeah. whether you're going to be buried, whether you're going to be cremated, um, you know, natural burials, I'm all into this, you know, end of life stuff. Um, no matter what your plans are, this will not interfere with it. This will not interfere with your medical care. There is really no downside to donating your organs and tissues. Um, one organ donor can save the lives of up to nine solid organ recipients. Can enhance the lives of more than 150 tissue recipients with like skin for burn victims, tendons and ligaments. Most of the time, if an adult has an ACL repair, they're receiving donor tissue. And corneas can be donated, and one donor can bring sight to two people.
1: Well, that's insane. That <laughs> being able to bring sight to someone after you you or. Were... Terrible to say, but no longer seen. Like that's 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 life changing. Um, It really
0: is, and it's 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 my family and I are so proud that we were able to leave that legacy for Rocky. Yeah, you know, because either way, no matter what we decided that night, Rocky wasn't coming home. He was gone. But because we made the decision we did, someone else got to go home. So it's just you know it's it's an amazing impact. And it affects not just the recipients, but their families and their community. And it's just, you know, there's no downside.
2: And, Patty, real quick, you may have covered this, but um, if, you know, someone's staring down this, you know, uh, potential loss of an organ, if they're, you know, waiting for a transplant, uh, what are some resources uh, out there for them to educate them on the topic?
0: VCU Health, the Humley Transplant Center, one of the first things they do when you're getting listed, is you meet with the social worker and she provides the most wonderful support. You guys, at VCU Health, I was a patient before I moved here from Baltimore at Transplant Center. They cannot hold a candle to VCU Health. Outside of that, there are a couple of organizations, probably the best advice that I can give to anybody on the waiting list or getting on the waiting list is. Trust your healthcare workers. Don't take advice from people on websites who are waiting for a transplant because they all think they're doctors, all of a sudden they have so much knowledge and they're gonna tell you their take on things and they're gonna tell you, you should do this, you shouldn't do that, but every case is different. Your healthcare might not be the same as their health care. Your needs are different than their needs. So trust in your health care work.
2: Well, Patty, thank you. Um, but before we go, and just, just wanna stress if again. I could jump
3: in here really quick, Michael. Go sure. ahead, I go mean, ahead. She, Yes, this is. I, I just wanna add, and, and thanks so much for that information, Patty. For for anyone who may be listening outside of the state of Virginia as well, and maybe wondering how to register themselves to become an organ donor, you can also go to the website Mm organdonor.gov and that website is run by the Human Resources and Services Administration and they actually can link you to whatever state or national uh, website is run by the current state that you live in and you can be redirected to how to sign up to become an organ donor in any state. So that's organdonor.gov, and that's a great starting point for anyone who may be curious that's listening outside of Virginia that's wondering, well, how can I sign up to be an organ donor? And I'll be including
1: these links and other other resources for you guys in the show notes, um, so for easy access, Um, but thank you.
0: Can I say one more thing? Of course, course. yes. For... (laughs) Um, Because I'm speaking to pharmacy students, and I am your number one fan, (laughs) because without pharmaceuticals, I wouldn't be here. At one point, I was taking about 25 pills a day. Um, My donor must be a really, really good match for me because I'm down to about nine pills a day, and only three of them are anti-rejection medications. But I know some transplant patients who take more than 60 pills a day. Um, So... I just can't stress enough how um, important it is that we have qualified pharmacists out there to help us with our life-sustaining medications that we need. So good luck to you in your future endeavors, and um, thank you for choosing such a noble field.
1: Thank you so much, Patty. I think that's it's making me blush. I think it's making a lot of uh, probably our listeners blush too because it's it's not it's not too common. I think most people don't even consider pharmacists in in the role of solid organ transplant people outside of the profession. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. Tyler, I think we'll get more into this on a on a use a little teaser for an upcoming episode with you on kind of your residency and how we manage medications re- revolving around solid organ transplant. Um, but to wrap up this episode, um, thank you so much, Patty, for taking the time to meet with us on uh, to raise awareness about National Donate Life Month. Um, and Mike, go ahead, if you want to take it away with the closing here.
2: Sure. So just to reiterate what Patty and uh, Tyler said, I and mean, if you're willing to register to be a donor, please go to organdonor.gov. Process is very simple. I did it myself a few weeks ago. Uh, once you reach that main page, you're going want to look for a- where it says uh, sign up to be a donor, select your state of residence. And this is gonna take you to your state registration page where you can check your donor status if you're not sure and then answer a few quick questions to get signed up. Also, we are asking those who register to answer a couple of quick questions on a Google poll and email us your registration confirmation email to ndlm dot o-v-e-r-x-d-o-s-e at gmail.com and we mentioned before so the uh, link to the google form and email address can be found below the episode and we would also like to thank Kappa Psi Pharmaceutical Fraternity for donating the gift cards for the raffle.
1: And of course, a special thank you to Patty Dean and Tyler Tinkham. Thank you guys so much for coming onto the show and raising awareness about this important topic. We will be doing, um, hopefully, making this more of a, an annual thing to keep people aware and keep people up to date on this important topic. So thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I appreciate it. Maybe next year we can go out together and sign up people. And we can go out. Yeah, we can
1: go out in the community in
2: person. Yeah, in right.
0: yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, with after COVID. Um, Thank you so much and um, stay aware and don't overdose everybody, thanks. (laughs)